Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. I am your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about our transparency and accountability work at chicagojustice.org. If you go to our website, you'll see a pod post, but also featured in the top three there on the front homepage is a study we just published a week ago tomorrow on 20 years of agenda items from the Chicago City Council Committee on Public Safety. You should go read it. It's fascinating. They don't do anything on police accountability. That's the, you know, the main finding. But we look 20 years of their agenda items, 20 years. No hiding from that analysis, even though they've tried to do it. So today in our main segment, we're going to talk about the Public Safety Committee, a little bit about the response, but also what is going to happen Friday morning, which is the um, hearing set when they're supposed to vote on the Community Commission. Finally, will it be the mayor's version or the community's version? Um, and just a quick reminder, if you're on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook or YouTube and you want to comment or uh, ask a question, you can do it from any of those platforms. I'll get it to my screen here and I'll try to include it in the show. What else is coming up? Uh, comments about, or at least my take on the insurrectionist cop arrested in Chicago. Uh, our, our recurring segment called FOP Watch. And then we talk about Brown rooting the, in the white nationalist insurrectionist out of the department, even though he doesn't have any power to do it and won't be doing it. That's all rhetoric and propaganda and lies for the media chum or for the chum for the media, I guess is the way to say that. Then after the break, we're going to talk about a proud boy cop. Yes, there is one in Chicago that's been identified. We're going to talk about a horrific column by Mary Mitchell, maybe one of her worst, which is saying something. We're going to talk about a Sun-Times editorial calling for hard... Uh, calling for um, failed policies, just more of the more of the same that have never worked. And then we're going to talk about an article of San Jose, California, about gun owner insurance, which I think is really interesting. But before that, if you're interested in sponsoring this show, go to chicagojustice.org and click on donate or hit us up at info at chicagojustice.org and we will get you um, uh, hooked up. We could really appreciate it. We'd like to expand the streaming, a bunch of different events related to policing and justice throughout Chicago, Cook County, and the state of Illinois. Um, but we need resources to help us do that. So we'd appreciate the sponsorship. So our first, first main segment today, yep, there's the notice of the meeting on Friday. They have not released the agenda item yet, but the what you're going to find out and what we all know is happening this Friday is the vote on the community commission that's going to determine whether or not we have the mayor's version or if we end up with the community version. Remember, Mayor Lightfoot unveiled a couple of weeks ago her own version that I have a feeling she wrote herself that we um, thoroughly and unbelievably panned on this show as being crapola and more of the same. There is slight adjust. There's some slight adjustments and. She steals some things from the, the community one, but nothing good enough to make a difference. If we don't want to be where we at in Chicago, we need change. And her version is not it. Uh, so it's Friday, 10 a.m. Central. We know, I can tell you what is going to happen. The Progressive Caucus, the Latino Caucus, and the Black Caucus have all, by a majority of their members, voted to support the community 
consensus version between CPAC and GAPA. Community Police Accountability Council, CPAC, GAPA is the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. I know what is going to happen because we have a weak and useless and spineless city council. All three of those coalitions are going to cave or cave enough that the mayor's version will pass Friday morning. Um, a bunch of useless speeches will probably be given. We'll deal with it on the show on Friday and probably in the coming weeks. But in the end, they will vote for the meekest reform possible because they don't care. They only care about political cover. They don't care what's happening. The caucuses are going to bail. Mira Lightfoot's going to get her <clears throat> version. She's going to be happy and thinks it's a winner. And then I think she's going to have problems with it come re-election. I don't think the city council has the guts or wherewithal to actually make an impact or a stand on this issue or really any issue. Um, they can get three, five, eight, ten, fifteen, maybe. I think that's actually stretching it as what they'll get, but they'll probably get far less than that. That back the community version. <clears throat> and you're gonna see the mayor's version pass pretty easily. Um, I think this wouldn't happen. I don't think the meeting would happen unless they knew Alderman Talafario, the chairman of the committee, and Mayor Lifefoot were a hundred percent sure that the mayor's version was going to pass. It's sad, but it's no real change. It's it's um, it's tinkering on the outside at best. It's got a it's got a bunch of problems. But for a mayor who ran on all these reforms, um, it's really sad because she's not going to really, this is nothing. It's not going to bring anything in. It isn't going to change a damn bit of thing on, on the city council. The mayor, the, this community commission and the mayor's version, this is one of the things that really, really, really irritates me about that version is the city, the compromised version by the community groups, GAP on CPAC, the various groups of community organizations backing those two versions. The consensus version had any Chicagoan can gather 500, uh, 500 signatures, I think, of registered voters to call for a special meeting of this council, this commission, whatever you want to call it. The mayor has 5,000 signatures. 5,000. It's unbelievable. That's how scared she is of any kind of reform. Any kind of reform, even the meekest, meekest, meekest reform, 5,000 signatures. That by itself should be enough to tell you she is not, um, she, she's not serious. This is, this is absolutely a joke and nothing but a joke, so help it God. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to our second segment here. For our podcast audience, I will read it. CPD officers used N-word, shared pictures when bragging about role in U.S. Capitol riots, the feds say. Yep. That's right. I'm surprised it took this long. But the Chicago Police Department has their very own officer arrested for their part in the insurrection. I find it hard to believe this officer's alone. This officer is also very dumb because, hey, he wore a Chicago Police Department hoodie. Smart guy. Go in, break, break into Congress. 
try to pull off an insurrection and wear a hoodie of your employer and no face mask. Really, really bright guy. So um, this was not surprising. Anyone who was looking at the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of what the FOP has been doing, the return order of police, everyone should have saw something like this coming. I remember the protest in front of Rahm's office on the fifth floor of City Hall was met with a counter-protest. There were more counter-protesters than there were protesters from the FOP. They were complaining about their contract because they're not paid enough, even though they're paid more than they probably should be. You know, a, a lot of those protesters were wearing Trump and MAGA gear. Not really going to win you over... Um, certainly not going to win over politically Barack Obama's chief of staff for his first term, um, which Rahm was. But that kind of thing was the beginning. Then I remember there was a march around City Hall or City Hall in the county building, and there were a few white supremacists somehow entered the march and intermingled with the officers and took pictures. And then at some point towards the end or something, they got kicked out once the FOP realized it, or maybe it was once they realized that others had figured out what the jackets meant that they were wearing, then, hey, we got to get rid of them because it'll, it'll, it'll look bad that we have white supremacists. But you add all that up and you add John Contanzara, the current FOP president's um, social media, and you put in his rhetoric. Remember now, ladies and gentlemen, remember... Uh, and also, actually, before I get to that, you can also add in the comments of Second City Cop blog, which, by the way, is no longer publishing at Second City Cop. It took it down because his comments were horrific, and they knew where they were going to get dinged next. They're actually now publishing it. I don't know what I'm putting behind me, but they're um, they're getting they're publishing at Chicago Contrarian, so you can find that kind of hate and villainy. Um, I wonder if they do comments. If the comments followed them, they're awful. And that's Second City Cop blog for published for many, many years. It was coming. Martin Prebu also publishes at Chicago Contrarian with his massive conspiracy theories of this massive, unprecedented left-wing conspiracy in the media, every, every one in the media, every single one. And, you know, he blocked us on Twitter because he didn't like me asking, like, well, when they hire someone new, where do they go to get indoctrinated? He did not like that. You know, logic, not good. So you add all that up and then you look at John Catanzaro, the, the president of the FOP, his election, 50 complaints, awful, horrible officer, almost all of his complaints from internal sources, bosses and coworkers. The FOP decided to vote him in as their president because he was incredibly extremist pro-Trump. And they're like, hey, that's great. That's what we need. And then you look at his social media posts and you find out just disgusting, degrading, hate-filled posts. You look at all that and then... We should have known there were Chicago cops involved because hours after the insurrection, John Contanzara said, I didn't think anything was wrong. I didn't see anything wrong. I totally understand why they're so mad. Tell me why white middle-class people, which is what most of the insurrectionists were, were so mad. For some reason, Contanzara saw eye-to-eye -eye with the insurrectionists. And when the crapola hit the fan about his comments, he tried to walk them back, which is hilarious. Because his original comments were how he really, truly felt. Um, so with that foundation, Prebe, Second City Cop blog, the protests on Rahm's thing, the white supremacists in the protests around City Hall, 
Was it any shock there were going to be Chicago police officers at the insurrection? I'm shocked they had found just one. There was a guy originally got dinged for having a CPD hat, but he was supposedly not a CPD member. I would bet there were more. I found out today through a source, and this may have been published. I, I missed it. If it was, he was on actually, he was on uh, medical leave. And you need permission to leave the state when you're on medical leave, and he didn't get it. So that is probably why that officer will no longer at least uh, be with the Chicago Police Department at the very least. Um, he will be gone um, for that stupidity. We'll get more on to other, um, other issues, but let's get to the FOP watch. Here's a tweet from Ben Bradley at WGN Television News, and I'm going to read his tweet to you because I think it's funny. Uh, it's just funny, sad. So this is Ben Bradley originally tweeting, Prosecutor State Chicago Police Officer Carlo Shizuski, I tried, wore a hoodie with a department logo when he stormed the U.S. Capitol and breached a senator's office January 6th. Now, Ben Bradley is quoting the FOP's response to that tweet. And here we go. This is from the FOP, most likely John Cottonzara himself. We harp on the fact that he was a CPD officer. But he was not in uniform when he did this. He was on his own personal time. Are we going to continue to scrutinize everybody's profession when they are off duty, including news anchors? Well, yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yep. Part and parcel of you having a job is you maintaining credibility and legitimacy in the eyes of your customers, your clients, the media, the public, the citizens you supposedly serve. So yes, we are going to scrutinize what people do. That is the way it goes. You have, that's the same argument for the Central, the Central Park woman who called, who, with the dog who called the cops, her life was being threatened by the black guy, the bird watcher who, right, and oh my God, he's threatening my life even though he did nothing but ask her to put her dog on a leash. She got fired. She is now suing to get her job back. No. Your character all the time reflects upon your employer. That is the way it goes. You're going to have to come to terms with it. And when a bunch of people from any profession, news, cops, firemen, teachers, whatever, do it, it reflects poorly on them, the institutions that are employing them, and their profession. Get used to it. You only want to not look at it because it's a cop. Because it's a cop and you don't want to brand all cops bad. Maybe they shouldn't have gone to the insurrection, took part in the insurrection. Remember, Katanzaro is this guy, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, who, remember, he backed the insurrectionists. Maybe this is why. Maybe he knew people were going. Maybe he knew people were there. Maybe he saw them in the video. Right, you always heard from these guys. They're cops 24 hours a day, the job, and it's so hard, and they're cops 24 hours a day. Oopsies. They're only not cops 24 hours a day when they want to be not cops 24 hours a day. So your profession always matters when you do stuff off the clock. It's unfortunate. Damn, high school students have signed contracts. They can't do stupid things like go to par drinking parties, or they'll get thrown off the team or thrown out of school. I don't hear you arguing about that, my friend. All right. We're going to move on to our fourth segment. 
This is a tweet from Fran Spielman, and it's really not about her. This is about um, this is a, about Superintendent David Brown and how he just lies, lies, lies. He can't help but lie. So they're talking about the insurrectionist cop here, and this is Fran Spielman. Quoting the superintendent, no misconduct in charged cops background, but Brown says he plans to dig deeper, won't leave any rock unturned to find cops with like-minded beliefs and root them out of this department. All right, this is going to be a shock for you. There's nothing David Brown can do, and he knows it. Ladies and gentlemen, just being a member, whatever that means, how do you define membership? I'm going to use it just like gangs. Like, they don't get cards. They don't sign up on a registry and all get card, like cards they carry in their pockets and, you know, all have wristbands on or something. So what is actually me membership? And if you haven't taken part in anything illegal, why is having crappy beliefs, being a racist, Something they can fire you for when you have a union contract on top of it. They can't do anything. They can't do that. They could they could stretch it, although case law, from what I've heard from sources, case law doesn't support it. They're going to try to stretch it. You're bringing discredit upon the department. I, I just don't think that works. From what I've heard in the Chicago Police Department, they've actually had street gang members as cops, and they can't get rid of them just for being affiliated with the organization in some manner, right? Because the affiliation is... Um, loose. They don't have all, they're not all card carrying gangster disciples or proud boys. So this is David Brown lying, just spewing rhetoric and BS and lying. And the media, unfortunately, Fran, I guess you should have quoted it, but you also have to push back and say, this is bullshit because it's bullshit. They will never, um, there's nothing they can do. How is he going to root this out? I guess they could pay a company to do hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of work and try to go on everyone's social media. But I would bet you a lot of cops have learned from Cotton Zara's issues to just lock down their Facebooks. What are you going to do? Try to go through everyone on Telegram and whatever the other far more right wing. Um, the other one, that back one's up. I can't think of what the P right now, but that one's back up. Parlor. There you go. Are you going to root them out? How do you root them out? You go on there and try to trace. I think way too expensive. They're not going to do it. Um, so I just think that's rhetoric. Brown has nothing behind him. If there was um, a crime reporter worth their salt, they'd go dig into how is Brown supposed to do this thing because he's not going to do it. Okay. We're going to take a one-minute break to give you some information about our nation program. Our nation program as where volunteers and interns come together to work on crowdsource research projects, public policy stuff, a bunch of things. We'll give you some information about that. They are the ones, it is the nation program that helped, um, that did the ground-based research of looking up all those agenda items for 20 years of the Public Safety Committee that made the report we published last week possible. It's a very, very important thing. So if you want to get um involved info at chicagojustice.org or right now we just added it cjpnation.org you can go to that website it's our uh, activist nation site you can go there find out about the projects we're working on and hook up with some of the people running those projects okay we'll be back in one minute
Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today. CJP Nation. Okay, we are back. And it's been a fun-filled white supremacist day, okay? Our next segment. It's a Sun-Times article titled, CPD suspends cop tied to Proud Boys, launches probe into sex abuse claims. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that sounds wonderful. They suspended him. Isn't that great? They've suspended him, ladies and gentlemen, for five days. Cinco. Cinco. Five. Listen, he's got some sex abuse claim. Investigate the hell out of it and let the chips fall where they may. Believe the, believe the victim. Let's go. Put your head down. Go after it like bulldogs. Love it. Proud boys. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I don't want a proud boy. I don't want a three percent or I don't want any white supremacist. I don't want a militia member. I don't want people that remotely think anything like them in the force. But here we are. What are you gonna do? So I talked to a sorcerer today who's got years and years of experience in CPD and experience in police accountability. The thought is that the only way that they're going to do anything is a rule two violation, which is bringing discredit upon the department. But he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything. He, if some of those Proud Boys members that he's hanging out with are felons, then you can ding them for hanging out with felons, associating with felons which I believe was the reason we got rid of Ma Superintendent Mad Rodriguez. I think it was at Jilly's, the mobbed up restaurant, hanging out with mobsters, if I remember right. Um, there's nothing you can do. This is smoke and mirrors. They may indeed strip him. They may indeed file charges. But I think in the end, he's just going to get off. Not from the sex abuse claims. Those are completely independent. All I'm talking about is him being in the Proud Boys or affiliated with the Proud Boys or white supremacists. If you don't do anything illegal, having stupid thoughts, having ignorant thoughts is not enough. And I'm, I'm worried that you flip the this, this switch and you bring up an officer who may have issues with um, financial issues about issues with the city or NATO or the G8 that comes here or G7 or whatever, any of those things. Um, I, I know years and years ago I had a um, an officer friend who basically got caught having an issue of the nation in his car, the left-wing magazine. 
And they basically told him, study for the Saratine exam. You need to get the hell out of this district. And he did. And he lived up in the far north Rogers Park area. And they sent him to as far south as possible to punish him. So it's a slippery slope. Just reading a left-wing newspaper or, or magazine was reason to seek to make his life so painful he'd quit the department. So... Yes, the Proud Boys is much worse, but I'm saying it could be a slippery slope. And I don't know where this goes. And I know whatever the left or those type people will push onto this guy, the rest of that department is going to flip it back on the minority of people who think uh, li that are liberal thinkers in the department. There's no doubt about that. 100% that's going to be an issue. I don't want him in the department. I don't want anyone who thinks like him in the department, but I'm not going to bullshit you. Here at CJP, it's about truth. Above all, it's about truth. I'm always going to tell you it. Um, right? What's the old muckrakers thing? No fear, no favorite. Nope, that's it. I don't want him in, but I just don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's a pipe dream, and I think the department wants you to think you think they're doing something. Um but they're really not doing anything. Okay, segment six. Once again, we're hitting the Sun Times today hard. Chicago's gang violence makes all of us less safe and kids are not our Make, I'm sorry. Chicago's gang violence makes us all less safe and, ki and kids are paying the price. Okay, here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. If this isn't one of the worst written columns on policing in forever in Chicago about crime and violence, I don't know what to say. This is Mary Mitchell, and it is really, really, really bad. Really bad. First of all, here's an issue with the media and a bunch of politicos, Paul Vallis, Raymond Lopez, Bob Fioretti. All the ones on the outside trying to get into the seats of power, clawing at the doors, all of them. They all exploit crime and violence. They all exploit it for their own gains, right? They always misuse it. They always misuse it, right? And like I said in the last couple of shows, you cannot kill bad statistics. This is why it's so important to get them right. They live forever. You can't kill them to save our lives. So get back to the media, these people, if you're ready in them. They see that violence all of a sudden appears to them as like this new issue that we have to deal with. And that we should start dealing with it now because it's brand new. Instead of being something that, oh, I don't know, has been around for 100 years in Chicago and we've always had problems. So... A lot of times you'll read their comments on social media or you read these columns like this one from Mary Mitchell and you get what? You get it like she's just realizing this is an issue. And then you take the fact that obviously Mary Mitchell did not read the, the article that she's quoting statistics from, right? That, make, that kids are paying the price. They're paying the price in the exact proportion they did last year. In 2020, I'm sorry. In 19 and in 20. Yep, same, same percentage shootings went up so the number of kids shot went up 
almost identically in percentage. Yes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Kids have been shot in the same percentage they were shot the last year and the year before. The same. The same. The same. I don't want any children shot. But before you go over, over, over reactionary, which is what Mitchell starts to do here, let's take a breath and think about what the stats actually mean. If she would have taken a breath, this column may have never been written. So I'm going to start quoting. Here's the first one. And before you go there, it's not Mayor Lightfoot's fault or the Chicago Police Department's fault or the Alderman's fault that the gang structure still exists in Chicago. Hold on. That's right. All the people in power, you're forgiven. You've done nothing wrong. During the past three decades, the city has tried targeting gang members with measures including the passage of the Chicago Gang Congregation Ordinance, which the Supreme Court shot down, finding that it violated the 14th Amendment and, and due process. Well, it didn't do both. The 14th due process is in the 14th Amendment, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to get yelled at in the comments, but I think that's where it is. Now, it's not the mayor's fault or the department's fault or the alderman's fault. Wait a minute. There's incredible deprivations of poverty, segregation, lack of housing, lack of employment opportunities, lack of education. CPS has at times been a rat hole. Whose fault is it, Mary, if it isn't the people in power and control of everything? That's right, people. There's only the only people left. The only people left that she's not giving a pass to are the people in the communities. I guess it's all the fault of the people in the south and west sides. All the black and brown people in Chicago who have no power and no access to anything. It's your fault. It's your fault. That's what Mary Mitchell's saying. Wow, is that a progressive view? This, can you get clu more clueless? The city council, the mayor, they've done everything they can. Everything they can. They steal this damn city blind, time after time after time after time with massive, unprecedented corruption. Massive. It's not their fault. It's it can only be it's either the people on the north side of the city or the people on the south and west side. Take your pick. Somehow, I'm thinking Mary Mitchell is not talking about the white north, uh, white rich north siders. I might be wrong, but I guess she's not doing that. And so that only leaves you the West Siders and the South Siders. It's your fault. Don't blame anyone else. It's your fault. Here's another one. Watch this. Listen, before I read the quote, remember, children have never gotten shot in Chicago before. Not even toddlers or young kids. Never happened before. Here's a quote from Mitchell. Now, children as young as toddlers are getting caught in gang crossfire. Damn. Damn. Unbelievably bad. I wonder why it's happening now and hasn't happened over the last 40, 50, 60, 80 years in Chicago. It's mind-bogglingly stupid. It's mind-bogglingly stupid. This is if a column was written by someone in Florida who had never traveled or read a damn thing about in Chicago ever and just looked at a weekend of news coverage and wrote this column. Oh my God, is this bad. Nothing is new. Nothing is new. The numbers are up. Wow, a, pan, a worldwide pandemic happened. Can you imagine a city that already has issues with crime and violence, and then you throw a worldwide pandemic, and what happens, ladies and gentlemen? Crime and violence go up. 
I am shocked that that happened. Aren't you? Here's another one. On Wednesday evening, I celebrated my granddaughter's 14th birthday with family at an ex excellent restaurant in the suburbs. A couple of years ago, that celebration would have taken place at a downtown or neighborhood restaurant. Yep. There's so much violence in the city, you cannot eat at a neighborhood or, or restaurant or a downtown restaurant anywhere in Chicago. Yep. No one's out at all, ever. Ain't happening. It's insanity. These, whenever violence or crime spike at all, these columns get written by these idiots. Can you be stupider? If someone has found a stupider column, maybe John Cass's stuff. Okay? Let's try not to go there. I got him. I dinged him uh, last week on Friday. Let's go non-John Cass column. Find one stupider. Send it to us. I'll even mention you on the show if you can get a dumber, a dumber one. A dumber one. A dumber one. Okay. Now, hold your seat. Hold, your, hold on. Hold, make sure you're seated when you hear this. Here's another quote. I salute Alderman Raymond Lopez, who has stood up and confronted gang violence as a ward, even though that could put him in the line of fire. Yep. The most Trumpian of Trump aldermen, Mary Mitchell, is giving congratulations and loves. Isn't that awesome? You know what Alderman Lopez's efforts are going to have an effect on gang violence in his neighborhood? Zero. Zero. You know why? Because it's been tried a hundred times before and it's had zero. It's clueless. It's as if we just, this is the first year we've ever had gang violence. And to talk about these things, all these things independent of a pandemic is mind blowing. It's just incredibly ignorant. But she can't, she fell prey because she probably does no work. She didn't read the whole column, the whole article about, um, what was it, the Flager's quote, our children are becoming extinct, which is not what Flager didn't really mean it to the little kids, but that's a whole nother issue. Um, he meant it all the way up, but probably into the early 20s. So he's not completely wrong there, but she didn't read the whole thing and she didn't pay attention to it. She just pulled stats out and said, I can write a column about that. I feel bad about that. Why do we have columnists? They should pretty much all be fired in Chicago. Just fire them all and hire reporters. We do not need these people. We certainly don't need editorial boards. We certainly don't need columnists. This is a piece of crapola. Piece of crapola. She should have to give her check, her check back. It's unbelievably how clueless that is. Okay, we're going to move on to our next segment. Here's a Sun-Times editorial board. Piece? Editorial? Chicago's gang violence. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I did that wrong. Last one. Eighth one. Sorry, guys. This is one. This is our last segment of the show for today. Um, this one's really interesting. It's not so much for the story because it hasn't gone anywhere, but I like the idea and I just came upon it. So I wanted to bring it to you for you all to think about it and let me know um, what you think about it. This is an article from the San Jose Mercury News. A year after Gilroy's shooting, they had a shooting, San Jose mayor's plan, mayor's plan to require gun owners carry insurance is at a halt. Now, if you read the article, it's basically at a halt because of the pandemic. It hasn't really gone anywhere. And hey, that makes sense to me. 
But the reason, that's not really why I have it on here today. The reason I'm bringing it up is I want to talk about, I think it's, an, I am all for this, and I think it's an interesting idea to force gun owners to have to buy insurance. The part of the reason why I like this is it is going to prevent straw, it won't to prevent the first straw purchase, but it'll prevent the second one. And follow me. So you get a gun. You buy it. Before you leave the store, no matter where you buy it or you're buying it from an individual, before you can take possession of that gun, you have to have liability insurance on it. Okay? You have to get liability insurance. You've got to register with an insurance company to get liability insurance. Register the, the um, serial number of that gun with the insurance company. They've got it. Now, that's before you can take possession. So you take possession. You, you know, grind off the serial numbers. You... Pass it on to, you know, unscrupulous people, unscrupulous people, right? You want to make that sale, make your cash. Now, you have to report that stolen weapon to the, or weapons, if you buy more, to the insurance company, right? All right. Oopsies. Now, the insurance company is going to say, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. But even so, you got it stolen from you in some kind of burglary or whatever, your rates, like all insurance claims when you do it, are going to go up. So your next time you go to buy gun or guns, your rates of insurance are going to skyrocket, are going to go up, right? Now, you may be able to afford that next purchase. And you may be able to sell that gun or report another theft, but that's it. The insurance company is going to be like, no, 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 no. We don't know what's going on here, but two sets of thefts on a one gun or sets of guns that you've had over time. And you're buying guns that are, what, basically meant for street gangs. You're not buying necessarily a gun for protection. Wait a minute. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Either they're not going to insure you or they're going to make it so high that you can't, you can't do it. You can't afford it. That would be the market determining, right? It's a free market. It's a free market um, solution to the issue of guns. I love it. Right? And so I also think there should be a law, by the way, if we're going to talk about I prefer to just get rid of guns and outlaw them altogether. Um, but if you're going to allow people to have them, you also have to report a theft within 24 hours. And failure to do so is a felony. And if they prove you did it on purpose, it should be a felony. Period. Once again, that's going to tramp down on straw purchasers, which is a big issue with how Chicago gets guns, right? Those are, I think those two things together would be really interesting. I'm curious to see how San Jose proceeds and whether or not they're able to make that work in California. I think it's a fascinating idea. I also think that it would, when they trace the gun back to that person, the insurance companies would start paying, right? Especially for a gun that they gave to someone, got misused, and oh, by the way, they didn't file off the serial number properly. And oh, by the way, it comes back to Jane over here. Ooh, Jane. We're going to sue Jane. The insurance company is going to cover it, and the insurance company is going to pay for the liability. I think that's a fascinating way to handle it. Guess what? The insurance company is going to, um, excuse me, going to look more closely at people that they offer insurance to when they have to start worrying about paying the liability from guns these people are buying and straw purchases. 
So I think that's a fascinating idea of way of doing it. Um, I just think it would have a real impact on on straw purchasers, which is a huge issue in Chicago. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Real quick, info at chicagojustice.org. If you have questions or comments, want to see certain topics, interview certain people, we're going to be hammering some interviews into the show starting next week. Uh, we're working on getting Deborah Witzberg from the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General on the show to talk about their latest um, audit and report uh, regarding the Chicago Police Department. CJPNation.org for to become part of the nation and get involved in crowdsourced research projects, advocacy, social media advocacy, public policy advocacy, research on public policy. We have groups doing that. So you can learn more about that. You can get contact information for people leading that groups and Sydney running the nation for us. So all of that is available. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you on Wednesday at 530. We'll probably have a little more info about what's going to happen on Friday in the city council meeting. And then Friday at 530, we'll be there to wrap up if the meeting is done, which I assume, assume it will be long done because I think it's going to be a much shorter meeting people think. And we'll give you a wrap up on what community commission of any version we have. That is if the mayor allows the meeting to go forward. Okay. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you.